In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over some recent developments with the 76ers, including the win over the Indiana Pacers, the use of P.J. Tucker as a small ball center, and the three-guard lineup of James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and DeAnthony Melton. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. After that that two-game spell, they're now three in a row. They've won 11 of their last 13, and they are at, what are they, 23 and 14 on the season, won 11 straight at the Wells Fargo Center. How you doing, Rich? Derek, I'm doing well. I'm Seems like I'm a little healthier than you. It seems like a, a little, little bit, bit of a flu game is going on right now. <laughs> we joked that we we're going to have a flu game podcast on New Year's Day. Uh, it turns out I actually did get the flu um, the day after New Year's, January 2nd. I've been a little under the weather here uh, throughout most of this week. This podcast has been delayed a little bit because of that, but we will we will get through it. I might have to rely on you a little bit. I will ask a couple questions and you can talk for 20 minutes straight, but we will, and by we, I mean you will get through it. That's fair. And I'll just say the first thing that comes to mind based off last night's game, which is the kind of improbable win over the Pacers, though a little bit of a weird one because I thought they really controlled the game until like the last six minutes. Then they turtled and sucked and turned the ball over and Buddy Hield started to make some threes. And then they somehow pulled the game yeah. kind of out of there, you know what, to finish it. I think as much as we talk about the Sixers. Mind you, a lot of the Lakers win, doesn't it? Yep. I think as much as we talk about the Sixers and blown leads and kind of improbable, bad, uh, you know, fourth quarters and situational basketball, which, like, look, there was some of that in last night's game. It just happened with three minutes left as opposed to 30 seconds left. I feel like it doesn't really matter who the opponent is. It doesn't really matter who's on the Sixers anymore because I actually think Ben Simmons was used to be kind of the uh, – uh, the the force on the Sixers end that, that would start these. I feel like teams just do really stupid shit at the FARC at the end of games. It's crazy. Like I, you know, the Sixers have a really good record. You know, I don't know what it is exactly over, you know, the past five, six years. I, if they had the best yeah. home record in the league, I wouldn't be surprised at that. I, I didn't look that up, but it's just like, it's just not surprising to me to see Tyrese Halliburton, who is like an unbelievable assist to turnover guy. Turn the ball over twice at 40 seconds. I'm four. It's just, it's not that surprising to me. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those wins where, I mean, they, they got outscored 36 to 19 to start the fourth quarter. And by to start the fourth quarter, I mean, for the first 11 minutes of the fourth quarter, and then maybe the most improbable four Oh run where you had uh max getting that pick six that you referenced. You had another, another, was it a turnover? Yeah. It was the second one that got Tobias out Harden, on steal. the break. Yeah, uh, with Maxi layup and uh, <laughs> Tobias follow up, it was uh, it was an improbable way to blow that lead in the fourth quarter. It was an improbable comeback, and then they got it together and and won it there in the fourth quarter with some improbable defensive plays from people who kind of suck at defense. It was a weird night all around for sure. I think that's the right way to put it in a in a harsh fashion, but yes, <laughs> improbable plays defensively by people who suck at defense. Uh, I I agree. It's and I think the the two people you are especially referencing are uh, are one James Harden and one Montrez Harrell. Yeah, yeah. It's a 
It was a weird one. I did one. love yeah. a little bit. A lot of people talking about like, oh, well, Harden's turning a corner defensively and he, you know, made up for his bad play with defensive plays. I don't know. He got he got blown by quite a bit there in the fourth quarter and in overtime. He made that one really good play and give him credit for that. Um, but I wouldn't say he played a, a great defensive second half. Um, I think he made a couple of really key plays. He had a couple big ones. And I think to his credit, like he was getting targeted as mercilessly as I've ever seen. And the, the other, yeah. the problem is the, the Pacers, I really like that young backcourt. Like there was really nowhere yeah. for him to hide. I mean, I guess they could have put no. him on healed, but then it's like, you can't put him on healed. Healed's too much he, of a, a runner off the ball. Yeah. Uh, so he would have to pay way more attention than he normally does. And, and by the way, let's, uh, let's zoom in on that. Was he fouling Matherin on some of those plays? Perhaps sure, <laughs> they, they sure. were letting him play a little bit. You know what though? Like some of them were, I, I guess borderline, but he was definitely getting away with some hand contact. I would say on, uh, on Halliburton and Matherin on some of those key plays, but he had like, I think he had like three legit stops in, in, in key spots. And then on a couple of them, you're right. He got blown by and who, who was there, but Montrez Harrell with a couple of charges plays that I hate, by the way. Yes. I, and by the way, they happen to the Sixers just as much. They happen to Embiid quite a bit when he's rolling to the rim. They happen to Harden on his drives. The the kind of pass and crash charge that the other teams take. Uh, Har- Harold did those on drives. I, I don't like those plays because they are not really um, making a play on the basketball. Yeah. And I also think dudes just and get, they're dangerous. Too. Dudes get hurt. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a very college thing. You know. We can let the college refs just continually ch- call charges. Okay, that said, those are the rules of basketball, and I did think Trez was there on uh, on those plays, so credit to him. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird one, for sure. Like, I definitely don't think it's a uh, – it's kind of what I wrote about after the game. It's not something that, like, is going to power them come playoff time. They're certainly not going to win because of James Harden's defense, and they're not going to win because of Montrez Harrell's anything, I think, in the playoffs. But you got to give them credit. They did a good job at the end of the yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, and they, in an 82-game season, you will have improbable uh, currencies. Yeah, exactly. And that was definitely one. That was definitely one. And quite honestly, like when you just take a step back and you ignore that blown lead and, and how that win came to be, like winning that game against the Pacers without Joel Embiid is a, a pretty good win. And you've got, I mean, they've got, like they've won 11 of the last 13 games. The win over the Pelicans was a pretty good win. Took care of the thunder. Um, every time it, it really is a, 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 a yo-yo season, a roller coaster season, where every time you get frustrated, they win a couple games, and every time they pull you back in, they remind you that they can lose to anyone. Uh, but that was a, that was a, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, and it just came in in weird fashion. You know, I think it would have been kind of a tough one to wrap your arms around afterwards if they had lost a game because they were really yeah. good for most of the game. That Indiana team. Look, their their record is what it is. Their point differential is okay. Like they, they're, I don't think they're that great, but they they are the number six team in the East. They don't really guard, and and the Sixers got really good shots for uh, yeah. for most of the evening. And yeah, I think when you look at it, like yeah, was there a little bit of luck at the end of the game? Sure, absolutely. Uh, that said, like I thought the Sixers were the better team for like forty minutes of the game. So it's yeah. it's definitely another good win. And like, look, man, you look up at the standings right now. They are two in the loss column back of Boston, and everybody else is less than that. It's just like, look, I, I don't think all things are equal here because they've played an easy schedule 
both in teams and they've played a shit ton of home games where, like you said, yeah. they have restored order and have turned into the Sixers of the past where they just don't really lose there anymore. That said, it's kind of crazy that they're two games in the lost column back of, yeah. of these teams. And if you look at their upcoming schedule, it doesn't get all that much harder. You got the Blazers, Hornets, Knicks, Hawks. Nope, I'm reading the wrong schedule. You're definitely reading the wrong schedule. I'm definitely reading the wrong schedule. I was like, where cool, are the Bulls I, and the Pistons? I remember looking at it earlier, and I'm like, this is a really easy schedule. Well, and then I started reading well, it. What was the schedule you just read? That was a Pacers schedule. I looked up there because I knew they'd been on a roading streak well, recently. Well, so look, I was looking that up. This is what you tuned in to the Sixers beat to learn. The Pacers, that's that's kind of a murderer's row Pacers coming won, up. They'd won four out of their last, or six out of the last seven. Yeah. Uh, which is what I was I was looking up before I got confused because I'm half delirious and barely been awake the last three days. Anyway, uh, they've got the Bulls, Pistons, Pistons, Thunder, Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, Blazers, Kings. Yeah, they've got a, a pretty easy schedule, a chance to run off a couple more wins here. Um, so they should be towards that number one seed in the the East. Uh, do I think they will hold it? Probably not. We'll see. But yeah, I mean they've got a real tough end of the season. Who then end of the season can always be weird. So we'll see which teams are still trying. Um, but we both picked them to win a bunch of games, so they should. They have a chance if they play well and get healthy. Yeah, um, and that's a, right. that's a big, you know, like keeping a streak alive type of win too. Like you're, you're yeah. not going to have yeah. perfection every night. And frankly, like you don't have Joel Embiid. You're not going to have him against the Bulls either. So yeah, good win. Yeah. So the starting lineup, what did you make of that? With the P.J. Tucker? Well, P.J. Tucker or the, you know, three guards? Uh, let's talk about the three guards because I think that's kind of a more positive development because... I think over the past, uh, you know, month or so when Melton has played so well. And by the way, D'Anthony Melton, that's an awesome freaking yeah. trade, man. That guy is, yep. I don't know what was wrong with him in Memphis, why he couldn't get minutes at the end of those games, but like, or uh, sorry, at the end of those seasons in the playoffs, I see no reason why he can't be like a 25 to 30 minute a game guy in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, he made, I think, Besides the Maxi steal, the Maxi steal was so improbable. The the pick six against Halliburton. Yeah, he had the best sequence of the game where he he gets a crazy offensive board where he comes out of nowhere and then later on the possession relocates to the corner and drills the three. He's shooting forty plus percent on like yep. I think it's like six or seven per thirty six. Like he is legit. I mean, and I'm not saying he's like Redick or anything like that, but some of these threes are off like you know, transition, movement. There's like a little bit of versatility to that shot. So, you know, it's it's kind of been an either-or with him and Maxi, right? Like who who can be the guy, uh, what's their best lineup, all of those things. And maybe that's what the case is at the end because I, I think the skeptics will always say, okay, you've Harden and Maxi on defense. Like what's that going to do for you? That said, for the regular season, I want to see more of this because heading into the New Orleans game, and I wrote about this, the the three guard look plus Embiid, they played like eight possessions on the season. They had yeah. played it in the games where Embiid was hurt, and that's just like a little janky. That's like Harden playing, you know, five out basketball. That's not exactly like how you're going to play come postseason time. Maybe it is. Maybe that's the uh, you know the kitchen sink lineup as Zach Lowe called it. I don't know, man. I, I like it. I think it looks pretty good uh, as long as. You know, Doc said after the New Orleans game, New Orleans is a good team, but at that point, they really only had two awesome one-on-one offensive players who really could break you down in CJ and Zion. You know, there, there were guys that you could hide 
you, you like Trey Murphy. Okay, you're a good player, but we we can hide a smaller defender on you. Like those type of guys, you know, Najee Marshall, whatever. Like if you're going to go one on one, I think the Sixers have a chance to uh, come in on top. I, I think there are enough teams where this is an intriguing look for that reason. They're so much faster when they have that group. If you play them with Embiid, they can get out and transition. And I think they've looked pretty good, despite the fact that Tyrese Maxey is like not even close to the Tyrese Maxey he's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the cool thing about what the Sixers are doing now with these wins. He's admittedly not even close to what he is going to be. Understandably so. Like, the gym, he's like complete gym rat, couldn't pick up a basketball for, you know, three, four weeks. He's slower. You know, he still probably has some pain in his foot as Harden has talked about. I, I definitely think he's still, you know, the, the bone is healed, but there's still some pain there. Um, you like, you can even look at Harden. Harden looks so much better than he did when he first started. Uh, so I, I, I definitely think that's something, you know, like I'm trying to think of some of the recent iterations of three guard lineups. I know. Chris Paul's year in Oklahoma City, I think it was him, Schroeder, and Shea were like a really good lineup. They would play them with Adams. Look, it's it's something I want to see more. It's something I want to see more with Tucker. Uh, you know, it, am I sure it's going to work? Like, am I sure there are going to be, you know, there aren't going to be like apex predator wings that just say, yep, this is, this is unplayable. For we're sure. just going to score yep. against you. But look, man, a lot of NBA teams have flaws. And, and to me... I think if you could press your strength to this level and your strength being like you have three really good players uh, and you have somebody in Melton who kind of covers up some of the other two guys' weaknesses, it's something I want to see a lot more of. Yeah. I mean, to your point, they have played 179 possessions so far with that three-guard lineup, plus 7.4. Almost all of them have come with either P.J. Tucker or Montrez Harrell. They only have 26 possessions alongside Joel Embiid. Uh, so we really haven't seen that look almost at all. Uh, and look, I have some, you know, I think when we talked before the season, we didn't really like that as a starting lineup just because there is so much, just a lack of size on the perimeter defensively. And not only defensively, but like I worry about rebounding with that line. I worry about rebounding with every lineup they put out there, but with that lineup specifically, like I'm not sure that's going to be a great rebounding lineup. I know Melton's good, but at some point it would be nice to have somebody over six foot five uh, who could who could get up there for rebounds. Can't happen. <laughs> no, I can't. Um, <laughs> well, unless you go like all power forwards and then they don't get rebounds either. Uh, but if you're going to look to to fix their rebounding problems, I think step one of that might be fixing their dribble penetration problems and their perimeter defense problems. I think Melton can help with that. You're still going to have problems with Harden and with Maxi on the perimeter, but at least you have one guy out there. Maybe Tobias, now that he's defending fours almost strictly, he won't be quite as bad. I would at least like to see it. And I think this is one thing where it might be like when we get to the playoffs, you might determine your starting lineup based on the matchup. Uh, like they, everyone here might be so you could even talk me into Matisse Thibel at this. I am so sick of freaking PJ Tucker right now. You might be able to talk me into Matisse Thibel, who I think is, is a better defender at this stage. But I think ultimately you need to have options. I think you need to experiment a little bit. I think you frankly need to give PJ Tucker some time off because I think at the end of the day, he is still probably the most viable option against some of the wings that they need to be able to defend in the playoffs. So that's why you, he's as much as he might piss you off. He might be the most important of the possible candidates, but I think you need to experiment. I think you need to give Tucker time off because you need to get him up to speed. And right now he just does not look like he's anywhere near it. 
and he comes up with a new injury every other game and just plays through it. And that's great. I commend him for it, but we don't need you now. We need you in April and May and possibly June. Uh, they need to find a way to get him back to playing good basketball. I have a lot of thoughts on what you just said. I guess to, to wrap up the three guard lineup part, the other huge thing here too, is I think that unit because of Melton and the fact that he looks like a super legit three-point shooter. Yeah, there's going to be nights where he can't hit the broadside of a bar, and he's like one of those players where he's pretty streaky. But if the numbers, you know, if, if he hits to the back of the, the batting card, or uh, what did I say? The back of the baseball card. Baseball card, yeah. I am such an idiot. That's all right. At least he didn't spend 20 seconds reading the wrong schedule. Yeah. I'm efficient and, and fucking up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just think that can be a dynamite offensive lineup, right? You know, you play Tobias with his improved three-point shooting and you play the three guards. Like, I don't know, like, you're going to double off Joel Embiid? I think the answer to that is yes, but man, that's that's a lot of speed. That's a lot of playmaking. That's a lot of do. That's pretty much everybody who has the ability to drive and kick. I think that could look really, really freaking good. And I think that's just a way to get your best five players on the floor. Yeah. Like, I think those are your best five players right now. Yep. Uh, so that that's my thoughts. Uh, those are my thoughts on the three guard lineup. Would like to see more of it and good stats by you because I, you know, most of those possessions were in that Pelicans game where, yeah. uh, where they played with Embiid. I just want to see more of it with him because I, I really think with how Joe is playing in isolation, that's just such a bitch to guard. It really is. I mean, and it, yep. not just isolation too, and pick and roll as well. Uh, I, I just think that's really hard. Like that's, that's a lot of dudes who can dribble and shoot. So that's my first thought. PJ, did you notice after the injury in last night's game where it looked like he banged knees, uh, looked yep. kind of bad, at least initially, came back into the game. I said good news that he came back into the game, and some people on Twitter were, uh, <laughs> is it good news? F- fair enough. But I, I, it is good news overall that, that PJ is healthy. Sure. You don't want yes, your player. you don't ever want anyone not healthy. Uh, yep. The biggest news of the game to me, the major change he made in the second half, no undershirt. Didn't really work out because they no, it didn't lead to any points. But they ended up subbing Montrose Harrell for him, and kind of the right move, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so not great. Let me um, let me give the floor to you because I think you uh, you kind of teed yourself up on this one when you say, "I am completely sick of PJ Tucker." Keep going. <laughs> I don't know if I have too much more. I'm just I like I I I. Whatever is wrong with him, whether it is a hand, whether it's confidence, I don't particularly know. They need to not have a zero on the floor. Um, and right now, I think Matisse might even give you, he, I mean, he does give you more offensively. There are so many times where PJ will be locked in the corner and there's a wide open baseline cut. Just a wide open baseline cut that they're leaving because they're doubling off of him to come up to the foul line area. And he's not even, th- he looks like a guy right now that just does not want the ball. In any which way, he does not want the ball thrown to him. And it's become real tough to live with. And whether it's just, look, freaking Matisse shot a pair of fourth quarter threes last night that like either barely hit the rim or like awful. They weren't even close. He has a better chance of having an impact offensively than PJ Tucker. It's just, it's been very frustrating to watch. Um, and I don't know if I need a break or if he needs a break to get right physically. I'm not sure what's driving this right now. I do think he's going to be very important. Like when you, again, when you start talking about some of those big forwards, Tatum, 
Giannis. You can go up and down the list. Like, you need P.J. Tucker. I just don't need him for 35 minutes a night right now. Well said. Well said. I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, you mentioned the baseline cuts, right? Like, at least Matisse, if there's a wide open baseline cut and he's throwing the ball, he'll, like, he'll he'll wolf it on somebody, right? Yeah. Like, he'll, yeah. yeah. He will dunk at the very least. PJ won't, like, they're, they're, I, I went back and paused, like, five times where I'm like, PJ, just cut. Like, there's a wide open, once where I think they doubled Tobias right up there, there's a wide open cut. Like, it's an automatic dunk. I think one of his corner threes that he attempted was a corner three because he refused to take the baseline cut. And it's just like, he's just playing like a guy who doesn't want the ball right now. It's very frustrating. It's a problem. We're, we're experts at because Philly tends to attract players who don't want the ball. It's it's a massive problem. I mean, he really, really stinks on offense. And as much as I do respect his pedigree and think there is a chance we are talking in May about PJ Tucker being a huge part of like a win or two, um, you know, in the second round of the playoffs. The offense is is really bad, and you know part of the equation with him is that he's not a zero on offense. Yes, he's limited, but he's good at the one thing that actually makes the defense respect him. What do you think he's shooting from three on the season? God, I haven't even. This blows my mind every time I look it up. I haven't even looked at it. Is it? It's it's probably higher than I I think. It's probably like thirty eight percent. Thirty eight point three percent. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It, he takes 1.7 per game in 28 minutes. Yeah. And it, that's the real issue right there. It's not enough. Not not with the way he is being guarded. Uh, yeah. So I, I completely agree. I think you, you put that really well with all of the, the lack of confidence issues. Can we can we talk about the other weird subplot of this Sixer season, which you, you also briefly mentioned? Matisse Thibel's on-off numbers are getting into uh, goofy territory. Yeah. Now, I think their defensive rating with him and Embiid on the floor is like in the 90s. Yeah, and that's impressive because he doesn't necessarily always play with them. You know, like they put him on to play zone possessions at times as well. Now, uh, I have heard a uh, a friend of ours has, has posited that, you know, maybe Matisse's on-off numbers are a factor of Doc Rivers having a short leash on him. When, when Matisse does not seem to have it offensively. I feel like he does tend to get pulled. Uh, I don't have like a statistic for that. Um, and it's funny. Have you seen over the past three games, there have been a couple of instances, I think maybe all three of the games, maybe Indiana was the one game where this wasn't the case. I Oklahoma City and New Orleans, or no, Oklahoma City and Indiana, the disrespect they were showing him is crazy. And Matisse yeah. made three threes in Oklahoma City, which I wonder how many people watch that game. How many people do you think... Uh, Took in that New Year's tilt. Yeah. If it's more than like the people who get paid for it, then it's too many. It's at least us two. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would agree with that. It was uh, it was crazy. By the way, the fact that that Oklahoma City team then turned around and scored 150 on Boston yeah. is like, without Shea is like, yeah. to say my mind was blown, that's like, they were hopeless. They were one of the worst teams I've seen all year. Now that said... I know they have played better than that uh, in a lot of their games, but man, they were hopeless. Yeah, making threes, hell of a drug. So they were just not guarding him at all. Like they were, I think they had Shea on him and they just put him in the paint basically to to a laughable degree. And Indiana, they took it a step further. They started doubling Harden like at like three quarters court. They were like, yeah, go ahead, throw the ball to him or whatever. And he made one of them, but then he, he missed a couple of those shots. That said, like, 
at some point, I think you do have to listen to the on-off numbers. Yeah. Now, I, I think we've been over the Matisse conversation. This is our 6,000th time having <laughs> the same convo. Am I skeptical that it's going to work in the playoffs? Yes. Yes, I'm very skeptical of that for uh, for the offensive reasons. That said, like he's he's basically playing over Daniel House right now and playing him more, I I don't know. They, they play well when he's on the court. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. He still fouls a ton. <laughs> he still uh, will have his, his pretty bad misses from three. I don't know. They, they, they certainly have played pretty well with him on the court, though. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. I mean, look, my only request, first of all, I think he should be ahead of House in rotation. House has just not been good enough. I also, my only other request is don't play him and Tucker at the same time unless you can avoid, or as long as you can avoid it. Like, I just don't need both of them on the court at the same time. But if you want to cut down on Tucker's minutes, give more to Thibel, have Thibel had a house in a rotation, I'm in favor of all of that. And none of that is necessarily believing in Thibel as a playoff performer. And I think, again, I think a lot of people hear that and they think we're crazy. It's a different sport. It's scouted differently. You're going up against different defenses. Uh, we brought up the numbers from last year uh, in a, a, a mailbag pod a couple episodes ago where his numbers, which on-off numbers, which were real good again last year, cratered in playoffs. Do I think there's some small sample size variance to that? Sure. But I think it's certainly true that teams use his weakness and make the Sixers' life difficult in playoffs. Like I think those elite defenses, giving a seven, given a seven-game series to prepare, but all of the other options the Sixers have also have that weakness. Like every real plus defender they have outside of Joel Embiid. Well, that's not fair. Outside of Joel Embiid and um, DeAnthony Melton pretty much can't shoot. So we're picking which can't shoot guy. And right now Matisse is just playing better basketball than PJ Tucker, which I did not expect to say. Quite frankly, I hope I'm not saying in the playoffs because I do think Tucker's body type is going to be, he can just defend bigger forwards a little bit better. It's funny they, they they have a lot of regular season players. I would say they have a lot of a lot of people 
I'll say people in that too, because I'm including the coach in that. Sure. They have a lot of people <laughs> that I worry about their, their performance being able to carry over into the postseason. Yeah. But I, I think for a regular season team, and th- this is a point that was also made to me uh, over the past kind of week or so. And, and I think when you look at this winning streak, even though it hasn't been the greatest competition in the world, they have like 11 or 12 real NBA players in the regular season. Yeah. Which a lot yeah. of teams don't have. <laughs> like, yeah. I think you're seeing it in these games without Embiid. I mean, the fact that they can just like throw Shake on the court a little more, the fact that they can throw Thibel in there, the fact that Trez once in a while can have a pulse that you know in a way that a lot of uh, you know that, that a lot of teams can't have from what should be like their 14th guy, and you, you just have Reed yeah. chilling on the bench, who I think is an NBA player too. Uh, yeah, they they have packaging up some some hoodies. Yeah, I'm not sure he knows how shipping and handling works, by the way. Hundred dollars free shipping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a crazy amount of uh, a crazy for I've have you ever bought a hundred dollar hoodie? I can't imagine I've ever bought a hundred dollar no, hoodie. No, but to be fair, like we're not the, the most fashion forward people though, I would say. That's true. I think there are probably some some pretty sweet uh you know, designer hoodies that, that probably go for way more than a hundred bucks or hundred bucks. But yeah, we are not the target demographic for that, I would say. <laughs> How much does that one cost? You got one on. Uh, it might, must have been like 20 bucks. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it was any more than that. Okay. Nice. It's a nice <laughs> one. Yeah. yeah. Works well. Keeps me warm. Yeah. That's all it's got to do. Uh, but no, not the most fashion forward podcaster you will meet. That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What uh, And, and that's the other thing about last night's game. It's like- Fashion? Yeah. Fashion. No. Uh, I mean, Harden would probably- Harden's pro- I mean, Harden's hoodies cost orders of magnitude more than $100, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, Harold was the other part of, of Lazarus' game, where it's like, I thought he was very good for, for most of it, but the problem is I, I'm just not really a believer in him moving forward. But, you know, on the other hand, like, you can appreciate a good effort, you know, in a regular season game where it's like, look, you know, not every team is going to be healthy. In the Sixers' case, they're not healthy at all. They can't get their three guys on the court at the same time. Like, as soon as they get all three guys back and Maxie's working his way back into shape, oh, and beat steps on Jackson Hayes' foot yeah. out for two games. And it's just one of those yeah. things where, okay, that's that's a good time for Montrose Harrell to step up. And that was, look, that was a perfect matchup for him for the most part because Indiana's yeah, a really hard sense. team to guard, but they don't they don't guard on the other end either. Yeah. So he gets these easy dunks and he shoots eight of nine from the field, kind of like the old Trez, right? Like, you know, he's actually dunking on people and scoring yeah. around the rim. Is that going to translate to other teams? Probably not. I, I think it's it's fair to say. But you can also, you know, give them a tip of the cap for uh, for a good performance there. Although the the B-Ball Paul fans are, are not going to be happy because I think Trez might have bought himself another month with that game. Oh, I think Trez is pretty locked in. <laughs> I think Trez is pretty locked into that role, uh, both because I think Doc, if I think Ty goes to Trez, and I think, uh, I think B-Ball Paul has been bad enough where he hasn't really made his case. All right. Well, it's for another pod, but I'm not sure Trez could be on the roster if that's the case in the come playoff time. Although he's got a player option for next year. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, look, there. I mean, part of it is that I really think that is a role you need PJ Tucker to step into. But I think a lot of the minutes that PJ Tucker has played at five aren't necessarily lineups that you would think will hold up well switching into playoffs either. Uh, it seems like almost all of his minutes at the as a small ball five have come with 
you know, Harden, Maxi in the backcourt. And Maxi is a tough one to, uh, to make that scheme work with. And, and also he hasn't been good enough offensively. Like I, oh. I rather, I, I like the idea of five out with PJ. I like that more than, uh, than Trez, how it looks schematically. But the problem is like when he's screening and rolling for you and they put two on the ball for Harden, the point of PJ is he needs to be able to like make plays four on three. And I, I got to say, like, I thought he was a better passer than, than he showed yeah. this year. Like, I'm not saying he needs to be hardened, but he, he makes the right reads. But man, it's like accuracy on these passes yeah. are ridiculous. And I think that kind of stems back to the lack of confidence you're talking about. Like, this is just a guy who relatively shook for whatever reason. Um, that needs to get better. Like, come on, man. Like, you're making the right reads. Hit the guy in the, the shooting pocket, though. Uh, that's part of it. And the other thing with him, too, is like, when you put two on the ball, it would be nice if he could like pick and pop and like make a three. Unfortunately, you can only do that if it's a side pick and roll and he can post <laughs> yeah. and he can go to the corner, yep. which is like yep. that's not how, you know, the Sixers offense is kind of built to work. You know, Harding can do that, but it's it's kind of a niche situation. So yep. yeah. no, he ha he has corner three range and not a step further. No, not and a he, step further. And he's not even looking at it. So yeah, look, <laughs> they got some uh they got some real work to do there. I think Harden said after the game, he's like, look, the spacing with that group needs some work. And I wouldn't, um, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he meant with PJ, like the spacing needs some work where it got to the point where it's like, okay, Trez isn't perfect, but just give, just give me the pick and dive big. Like who, yeah, who's much better at making plays four and three than Tucker is right now. Anyway. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a weird spot, but you know, we've been, we've been here before. We have. We'll get through it. We have. The world will go on. At the very least, he's starting to look like, I think, the Trez that we expected coming in. Now, whether or not that is a good thing or a bad thing, like I said, is probably going to empower Doc to not even look, maybe to forget that B-Ball Paul's on the roster entirely. Uh, and I do worry, like you, about Trez in playoffs a lot. But I'm still worried uh, about Trez in the regular healthy. season. <laughs> he's he's got to make a few more laps before I'm a believer. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else here uh, that you have on the agenda? Doc jinxing the Eagles. Yeah, he did. He did. Telling everyone to calm down. Tell us to calm down. We've been through we've been through enough. We can panic when we want to panic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the Eagles will be fine. For the most part. All right, Doc. <laughs> we'll see. Um well, we got the Bulls here on Friday. I know. Rowan home against the Pistons. That should they should be able to reel off a couple here. They should be able to reel off a couple. I mean, look, no, no Embiid for the Bulls game at least, but man, that's a yeah. And then you have OKC at home. Yep. And then you, you then you go on the road. Um, not against teams that are necessarily playing great ball, but you do no, go on the road. The schedule is like pretty gettable <laughs> coming yeah. up, and look, that's the that's the point. You know, we said it when I'm sure we did a schedule release podcast where we. We looked and said, hey, that March is really hard, and it is. But I think, honestly, if you were looking for a, a really good record at the end of the year, I would rather play the good teams at the end. That's when goofy shit happens. That's when yeah. they start shutting yep. guys down. That's when you know they're kind of looking for playoff positioning. You don't always get awesome games at that point. So it's uh, it's weird. I mean, but it's funny. Like It's so fluid in the NBA. I think we talked about. I think it was the fourth game of the year. They played Indiana at home, and we were like, oh, whoop-de-doo. They beat Indiana tonight. 
they're two and zero at home against them. Those pretty good wins. Like that that team is okay. That team I think has a decent chance of making the playoffs of the East. Yeah, is there a huge drop off after what place are the Sixers in right now? Fifth. Yeah, it's those top five teams, and then you know everybody else has kind of moved back down to earth. But I don't know. I I, I think even though there isn't a lot being made about this team right now, they're they're relatively handling business. I would say. Yeah, no, they re- they really are going under the radar for a, a team that, like you said, is two games back in the lost column from the top seed in the East. Uh, they are going pretty far under the radar. Um, but you've got coming up here the Jazz. They've lost five in a row. The Lakers right now are without both LeBron and AD. AD will likely still be out. There's no timetable for his return. LeBron probably back by the time they play, but AD out. Uh, Portland, I think, has lost five out of seven. Like They've got some teams that are not playing great basketball right now uh, and a chance to to make up a couple more games and bank some wins for that tougher end of the season. It reminds me a little bit of, was it last year where they had a, a relatively tough uh, end of the regular season? I get my ears mixed up. But there was one where we talked a lot that their strength of schedule was real tough down the stretch. You've got to bank some wins. This is another season like that. Yep. And to their credit, they're doing it. They're doing it. Yeah. And I, it really does, like, I feel like when you talk about this team online, even when I talk about it to you, it does not feel like a team that has won 11 out of 13. And I don't know if that is just because nobody believes in them in the playoffs, or if that is because some of the wins have been weird, like last night's, or that they haven't been playing a great strength of schedule, or I don't entirely know what it is, or maybe it's so much that their defense is built on shooting variants that we don't necessarily, I don't know what's driving that but it does not feel like the the discourse around a team that has won a lot here of late. No, and I think it's mostly the playoff thing. That said, like I think they're going to have a stretch at some point, and Harden said this after last night's game. They're going to have a stretch when they get Embiid, Harden, and Maxi all going at the same time, and it's going to look pretty good. Like The fact that they are nine games over 500 and pretty close to the top of the heap in the East without that happening, I think is a good sign. Like you just, no, can I guarantee that? No, somebody could get hurt, uh, you know, in the next game. But I, I do feel like that there's still another gear for these guys to reach. And the fact that they've banked these wins, like that gear is going to be reached with them. I don't know, second, third best record in the league. So they, they definitely have a chance to get people a little more excited yeah. here for sure. Yep. All right. Well, I think that is just about all that I have. And by that, I mean, that's, probably about all the energy that I have. I definitely was starting to tail off there there in the last 10 minutes. So thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.